standing face to face with Jesus. Standing face to face with Jesus. Are you looking forward to that? I'm looking forward to that. I want that to be a a very good day for all of us. Amen. Um, we're going to jump right into things this morning. Um, I'm going to ask if uh, you'll stand with me as we read scripture. We're going to be reading from the book of James. Will you stand, please? Going to be reading from the book of James, uh, second chapter, uh, verses 14 through 19. And uh, <clears throat> this is uh, the word of God. It says, what good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but does not have works? Can such faith save him? If a brother or sister is without clothes and lacks daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, stay warm, and be well fed, but you don't give them what the body needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith, if it doesn't have works, is dead by itself. But someone will say, you have faith, and I have works. Show me your faith without works, and I will show you faith by my works. You believe that God is one. Good. Even the demons believe, and they shudder. Wow. Thank you for standing as we read the word of God together. Groucho Marx. Does anybody know that name? Some of you do. Some of you probably have no clue who that is. He was a person who, who was in the uh, entertainment industry way back when. And um, if you've never seen a Marx Brothers movie, <laughs> you should watch one. Unless if you're not in a goofy mood, don't watch it because it's goofy. It's, they're, they're, it's comedy, goofy comedy. Groucho had a TV show. Uh, it was called You Bet Your Life. And it was a game show. And he had contestants on his, his game show. And it was a game show where he just asked them questions and they earned money until the end or until they missed a question. And if they missed a question, he would ask them one more question. And the last question he would ask them was so that they could win $100. Some of you remember this. Now, that question, the questions leading through the game show were difficult. That question for $100, if they hadn't won any other money, the $100 question, it was an easy question, like really easy. Like it was like, what color is an orange? What year did the War of 1812 start? Who was the president during the Truman administration? 
It was those type of questions, okay? Like, they couldn't miss it. Who was buried in Grant's tomb? You know, those kinds of things. So they would answer the question, and no one would leave without getting $100. So it was kind of gracious, wasn't it? I'm going to ask you just a couple Groucho Marx questions. Humor me, okay? Humor me. What kind of fruit's on an apple tree? You guys are good. Bad news is, I don't have $100 to give you. If I did, you'd have to split it between all of you. So, uh, What kind of uh, fruit grows on a peach tree? Pretty simple. Here's another question. This one's not as easy. This one is very personal, actually. You got to think about it. What is the fruit... What is the fruit of your faith? What is the fruit of your faith? Now, basically, that is what James is talking about here. He's, he's talking about how when a person has faith, when a person says that they have faith in Jesus, then what should be obvious is that there should be some obvious fruit in their life. There should be ways in which you can look at their life and you can see that, hey, that's obvious. They're a Jesus person. That's what James is saying. James isn't alone. Uh, Jesus said it as well. Uh, Jesus, uh, back in the seventh chapter of Matthew, um, actually part of the Sermon on the Mount, he said in uh, verse 13, enter through the narrow gate. For the gate is wide and the road broad that leads to destruction, and there are many who go through it. How narrow is the gate and difficult the road that leads to life, and few find it. Be on guard against false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravaging wolves. You'll recognize them by their fruit. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? In the same way, every good tree produces good fruit, but a bad tree produces bad fruit. A good tree can't produce bad fruit, neither can a bad tree produce good fruit. Every tree that doesn't produce good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire, so you'll recognize them by their fruit. Not, a, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father in heaven on that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name, drive out demons in your name, and do many miracles in your name? And then I will announce to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you lawbreakers. This could very easily be our main text because it goes so well with what, what we read in James. You know, James and, and Jesus ba basically both saying the same thing here. Uh, if, you're, if you look at a tree... With apples hanging from the limbs, you know that it's an apple tree. If you look at a person and there's fruit coming from their life that indicates they're a Jesus person, then most likely they're a Jesus person. Fruit of our life is evidence of our faith. Fruit of our life is evidence of faith in our heart. So if someone looks at the fruit in your life, they look at what's coming out of your life, that ought to be evidence that you are a Jesus person. You know faith by its fruit. Now, let me, let me be clear about something because I want to make sure that none of you leave here today saying, 
You know what? I think Pastor Chuck was saying that we're saved by our works. Let me be clear. I am not saying that, okay? So no one leave here today and report to your neighbor. You know, our pastor this morning told us that we're saved by the works that we do. I am not saying that. We are definitely saved by grace through faith. Saved by grace through faith. It is not of ourselves. It's not of our works. We can't work our way into favor with God. Okay? So please, hear me on that. That is so, I need to be so clear on that. Uh, Another thing I want to say is that James isn't saying that we're saved by a mixture of faith and works. James isn't saying that either. Jesus, of course, isn't saying that. He's, He's not saying that it's part of God's grace and you take a little bit of God's grace and you sprinkle in uh, feeding the poor and, and you uh, give it a, a touch of visiting the sick and, and then you're saved. That's not what's being said here. James knows and doesn't contradict what we know by the rest of Scripture that is so clear that we are saved by grace through faith. But what James is reiterating from the words of Jesus and the words of Paul and the words of others in the word of God, that real genuine faith has a result of bearing fruit in our lives. Real genuine faith produces fruit, which are the, the good works that we have been set aside by God to do. Now, there's another scripture, and it's uh, in Ephesians uh, chapter 2. And this is a, a scripture that I think this is like one of our this is like one of our main scriptures that we, that we will point people to and help people to understand how we're saved. You know, so this is a very important scripture. We use, this, we use this a lot if we're leading someone to Jesus. Okay, Paul says to the church at Ephesus there in the, the uh, second chapter of Ephesians, uh, starting in verse 8. I just quoted it. For you are saved by grace through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is God's gift. It is God's gift. This is something that God gave us. It goes on. It says, not from works, not from works, so that no one can boast. So, no, so none of us can say, you know, I did this and I did this. I checked off this off the list. I checked this off the list. And now I know I'm saved. No, that's not how it works. God's word's clear. We're saved by grace through faith. It's not of ourselves. It's a gift of God. Not from our works so no one can boast. But many times we leave out verse 10. We don't go on and read verse 10. Verse 10 says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared ahead of time for us to do. And so what's, what is Paul trying to tell the church at Ephesus here? He's basically trying to help the church at Ephesus to understand that, yes, you are saved by grace through faith. You're not going to work yourself, work your way into salvation. You're not going to work your way into God's favor. But once you are saved by that grace of God, you are restored to a, a, a point that God wants you to be. And that restoration of where God wants you to be makes you ready to do the things that he has put before you to do which are good things, good works, helping people, being the kind of people that produce that wonderful fruit that shows people that we are a Jesus person. 
Now, if we look on and further into Scripture and go back really to what Jesus said, Jesus said something very powerful in uh, Matthew 25, verses 31 through 46. I know I talked to, uh, to Ruby after uh, church last uh, Sunday, and she, she said that she actually had this Scripture on her notes, and she had planned on reading it. Uh, she didn't, but, but she had planned on reading it. It goes really well with what she was saying last week. It goes really well with what we're talking about today. Jesus said, When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. There we go. There's that time in which we are going to be face-to-face with Jesus, right? We're going to be face-to-face with Jesus, and we want to all have a good day on that day, right? No one wants a bad day when we're face-to-face with Jesus, right? You guys aren't convincing me this morning. <laughs> no one wants a bad day on that day. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate them one from another, just as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right hand, the goats on the left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you took care of me. I was in prison, and you visited me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you and thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and take you in or without clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of these, the least of my brothers and sisters of mine, you did it for me. Then he will say to those on the left, depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger and you didn't take me in. I was naked and you didn't clothe me. I was sick and in prison and you didn't take care of me. Then they too will answer, Lord, when do we see you hungry or thirsty or stranger or without clothes or sick or in prison and not help you? And then he will answer them, I I tell you, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. And they will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Now... Honestly, as I read this scripture throughout the years, I mean, each time I would read it, it sounded like Jesus was, it it sounded strangely like Jesus was saying that we're saved by works. But we know that's not true. We know that that can't be true based on simplicity of scriptures in other places. And we know that the word of God doesn't contradict itself, right? Amen? The word of God doesn't contradict itself. So Jesus isn't contradicting something else that's in the word in some other place. And so we know these things. And so as we look at this and as we think about what Jesus is saying, it hit me that Jesus is talking about how people of genuine faith in a genuine relationship with him are people of good works. They are people that bear fruit. They are people that actually produce the, the fruit of good works in their life. 
Jesus isn't saying that the good works people are going to heaven and the ones lacking good works are going to hell. He's not saying that. He's saying that your real faith will cause you to do these types of good things in your life to the people around you that need help. He's saying that your real faith will cause you to be aware and to be, um, to be noticing. Because I think sometimes what happens in our life is that we're so busy and we're so wrapped up in our own thing that we get the blinders on. And the, the blinders just, you know, they, they just keep us focused, right? They keep us focused on what we're doing. It, our to-do list. <laughs> because, you know, we have a to-do list and we have an agenda and we have a calendar and we have all these things that keep us focused and keep us honed in on what we're to do. But I think sometimes, and those blinders are good in that, in that aspect, but sometimes I believe those blinders cause us to not be aware of things that are going on around us and that, of people who are around us that need help that need the care and the concern that Jesus is talking about here in Matthew. Now, there's another scripture, and the scripture is in 1 John. Uh, 1 John chapter 3, uh, verses 17 and 18. And it says, If anyone has this world's goods and sees a fellow believer in need but withholds compassion from him, How does God's love reside in him? Little children, let us not love in word or speech, but in action and in truth. In action and in truth. So when our hearts have been transformed by the mercy of God, it transforms the way that we live life. Okay? And this is very important. This is very important for the church Because the church must live in such a way that our lives have transformed and we are living life in such a way that when people look at us, they can recognize that we are Jesus people. And they're going to recognize that by the way that we interact with the people around us. And so one of the things they're going to notice is because, hey, if you read through the Gospels, you'll see that as Jesus went on his journey and went through the streets of wherever he was, he noticed the people that had need, didn't he? He noticed. He didn't have the blinders on, did he? You guys are quiet today. I'm going to take a drink of water and let you think about that. I know this is a I know this is a difficult message. <clears throat> it's a difficult message to preach. It's a lot easier to talk about grace and love than putting it into action and what that means. So Jesus walked through the streets and he didn't have the blinders on. He noticed people. And, and we get that in many different ways, like many different times that you're reading about Jesus' life and what he was doing, you see that. Uh, one, one of the things that st- sticks out to me, one of the times that sticks out to me the most is uh, he was heading to 
uh, Jairus' house. And that's when the, the woman uh, with the hemorrhaging uh, issue touched the hem of his garment. Uh, if you have blinders on, like we sometimes get, right? He was just kept going. But he didn't. He didn't. He, he noticed. He noticed the people around him. And church, if, if we have that, that love of God in our heart and really that genuine faith, we're noticing these people around us. Because you know what? This world is full of hurting people. And some of, your, some of them are sitting beside you today. Okay, let's not, let's not think that they're just all out there. Some are right in here. And let's notice our brothers and sisters in here. Amen? Because it's easy to get the blinders on even when we come in the building here. We're just, we're just walking in the building and going through the steps. Because every Sunday kind of goes the same, right? And it's easy to get into that, that rut of not really noticing. But let's get the blinders off. And let's notice and let's care. All right? Does that make sense? So, th so this, 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 um, this faith that we have that's genuine, that's real, it produces this fruit. It bears fruit. Now, if, if we're going to go back to James and, and uh, go back to James and we see that in verse 14, James, um, he asked this question that we really have already the answer to in, in the other scriptures that we've read. But, but I want to just read it again. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but does not have works? Can such faith save him? That's a great question. That's James, this isn't me asking this question. This is James. This is in the Bible, okay? This is in the Word of God. James is asking this question. And it's a question we must wrestle with. We must wrestle with the answer to this question. James is telling us no works equals no faith. James is saying that, that it doesn't line up for us to say that we have faith, but then we're not bearing any kind of fruit in our life. And then James goes into this hypothetical situation, and, and I hope you've noticed, as we've been in James now for the, this is the third week, I hope you've noticed that James does this. This is like his thing. This is his forte. He goes into these, these weird things, these weird analogies and stuff. He had us looking uh, in the mirror and looking at ourselves and seeing what kind of person we are and then walking away and forgetting what we look like. Remember he did that with us? Okay. Uh, last week he had us like th thinking about a rich person and a poor person coming through those doors and how we treat each one of them and how we got to make sure that we're not playing favorites because God shows no favorites. So James does that again. He goes into this, this really kind of, uh, uh, you know, hypothetical situation that seems absurd, but he's addressing a real issue. And it was a real issue. If it was a real issue then, it's certainly a real issue now. If it was a real issue back when James was leading the church, it's certainly a real issue right now. And so he pictures a brother or sister in Christ having a great need. They don't have clothes to wear. They don't have food. That's, that's just the two of the needs that he picked out. Okay, but it could be other needs. It could be other needs. 
And so they don't have clothes to wear. They don't have food to eat. And, and it doesn't even picture them going to the pastor or going to the staff or going to the elders or going to the stewards, going to some uh, leader in the church and, and describing their need. It doesn't, it doesn't even say that. It's basically saying that their need is just so obvious if we have our blinders off that we notice that they have a need. And as we notice that they have the need, this obvious need, uh, James is addressing the, the whole populace. He's not just addressing leadership. He's addressing laity. He's addressing everybody in the whole congregation. He says, and one of you says to them, go in peace, stay warm, and be well fed. Now that's, that's just, we talked about this before. What kind of sentence starts with a verb? We have some teachers in here, don't we? <laughs> imperative, right. An imperative sentence starts with a verb. It's, it starts with, it's a command. It's a command. And so James is basically saying that you see this person with an obvious need. You see this person that you know that their need, what their need is. You can see it. It's obvious. And you give them this command. Go, stay warm, be well fed. Basically, what James is saying here is you're telling them, deal with it. I see your need. Go deal with it. <laughs> in, in, the, in the middle voice, it would be warm and feed yourself. In the passive voice, it would be stay warm and well fed. It is rude. It is impudent. It is ridiculous to say such a thing to someone who has a need. James is outlining how absurd it is to claim faith in Jesus and be absent, devoid, empty of the good works that go hand in hand with being a Jesus follower. We cannot show faith in our words alone. Faith must come out in actions. In that sense, you got to understand faith in the way that we understand love, right? Because love, <laughs> love isn't any good if all you do is say, I love you. If all, if all I ever did with Barbie is say, I love you, but I never showed that love, I never did anything to, uh, to, to prove that love, to demonstrate that love. Sooner or later, those words, I love you, would mean nothing to her. Sooner or later, when I said I love you to her, she'd be like, yeah, whatever. You don't love me. And she'd be right if I wasn't doing anything. Faith is the same. Faith is the same. When we have real genuine faith, we are actually putting that into action. We are figuring out ways in which we can demonstrate that and, and use that to help people, to bless people, to care for people. I wanted to address 18 and 19. I don't have time, but 18 and 19 is really pretty good because, you know, it talks about the demons and their faith. Just real quick. Faith is an intellect. The demons had the intellect, right? They knew Jesus. They knew who Jesus was. They, they had that kind of belief. 
Faith isn't even emotions because the demon shuddered. So we can, we can come to church and we can cry and we can raise our hand in a worship song. We can feel a certain way. We can get all emotional. We can see a miracle and get all excited. Faith isn't demonstrated by the intellect and the emotion. Faith is demonstrated according to James and Jesus by action. So I'm back to the question. What is the fruit of your faith? What is the fruit of your faith? When you become aware of someone in need in your life, what are you doing to help? What can you do for the needy that will give real help to their situation? Are you with your blinders on or have you taken those off and noticing the people around you? What are some other ways faith will show some fruit. I have, a, um, I have a handout. Actually, there's two handouts today as you leave. Um, Myron has those, and he's going to be giving to those, those to you at the door. One is, um, one is CJ's bio, in case you wanted to know more about CJ. Uh, and I hope you do. I hope you'll take that and read it. It's really good. Uh, the other one, though, is this that I'm talking about here. It's some ways, some, some ways in which you can live out that faith, demonstrate that faith in your life. It's some ideas, because I didn't want to leave you without ideas this morning. So there's some ideas there for you, all right? Amen, amen. God bless you. Will you stand with me? Heavenly Father, we, uh, we come to you this morning. We're so grateful, Lord, that your word challenges us to our core. And Lord, as we're reading in the book of James, that's, that's really what's happening. We're, we're being challenged in our faith. Lord, we want to live out this faith that you've given us. We, we want to live out this faith in you because, Lord, we are saved by grace through faith. But then, Lord, in that transformation, in that way that, Lord, you transform us and make us into a new person... We want that new person that you made us into to be such a Jesus person in the way that we live life that people will look at us and they'll look at our actions and they'll look at how we live and they'll say, wow, something different about that person. They love, they care. I see their faith shining through. Lord, help us to be that way. Help us to be the church. Make a difference. Help us, Lord, to live in such a way that people have to ask us what's going on in our lives. And help us, Lord, to take the blinders off, recognize the people around us, that we can help. Thank you, Lord, for loving us enough to show us some things in your word that keeps us on the path. Sometimes we wrestle with, with stuff you show us, but Lord, thank you that we have some stuff to wrestle with because it means we're growing still. We want to keep growing in you. We want to keep getting more and more um, closer to where you want us to be. Help us, Lord, to, as we leave this place to know how to apply these things in our lives. We'll give you the praise and the glory in Jesus' name.